How's everyone going? Very good. I'm also doing very well. Thanks. I want you to just say hi to the person next to you, behind you, while I get my notes out. Say welcome, welcome, welcome. Love being here. Love your, your dress. I love your hair. Love everything about you. Yeah, what is that? I don't know. It is true, I, I just got engaged yesterday to um, Kartik at the back over there, so she's, I guess you would say, my fiancé now. Um, and I didn't really plan on sharing this little part, but I, I feel like it's a little bit relevant. Um, it's because it's very fresh in my mind, actually. By the way, my name's Gershom, if you don't know. Um, people call me Gersh. If you want to call me Gersh as well, that's cool. Um, so the, the decision to get engaged to my girlfriend, we've been together for about nine years now. Uh, yeah, it's a bit too long. No, no, not that is bad, but you know, you know, it should have been an early decision. But for nine years we were together, and um, I, I had this thought in my mind, and I don't want to get into relationships too much, but I was always thinking about, oh yeah, things have to be perfect before you get engaged, things have to be perfect before you head into marriage. Um, but I think yeah, I realized that when you want to go through all seasons of the good and the bad together, and bring yourself to God every single moment, that is kind of a good indicator that you're ready to be together for the rest of your lives. And we, we were at that stage where, like, not everything is perfect. I'm going to be pretty genuine tonight, by the way. Not everything is perfect. There's a lot of good things. But there's a lot of things that we can work on. But I know that I'm confident, and we're both confident, that in the good things and in the bad things, we want to commit to each other through walking all those seasons together. So that's why we got engaged yesterday. Um, the reason why I kind of want to bring that up is tonight we're actually doing baptisms as well. And baptisms, a lot of Christians and a lot of young believers, uh, they, they make this thing where I want to get baptized, but I have to be perfect before I get baptized. Everything has to be absolutely perfect, then I will get baptized. Um, and we start to go through this journey, and I've seen it because I serve in the teenagers' ministry and youth. And a lot of the youth, um, they say, I want to get baptized, but maybe not this year. Next year, I'll be a little bit more holier, then I'll get baptized. And, and for me, I'm like, mm, yeah, maybe you might be, but I don't think so. Like, as you are right now, God accepts you as you are right now. And no matter where you come from, where you've been, what you've done, he accepts you for who you are. But you've got to commit yourself to God and say, God, I'm all in for you. I'm all in through the best of seasons and through the worst of seasons. And that's why I'm committing my life to you. And I believe this is why the seven people here tonight have decided to give their life to Jesus to get baptized. So let's give them a round of applause, guys. This is a reason to celebrate. This is a reason to celebrate for sure. But before we start, let's pray. God, I am so thankful that this service is a service you, you decided to, to have, Lord. That all these people that chose to be baptized, Lord, have decided to give their lives to you, Lord. And we could not be more happier. We know all of heaven is roaring. All of heaven is praising right now. And so will we. We will raise our voices. We will cheer on because we are so grateful, Lord, that these seven lives have crossed from death to life. We are so grateful for that. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you have given us, Lord. And we pray for the message tonight that you just speak truth. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. A few years ago, um, we did this thing called a bread run. If you've been involved, we pretty much get food from uh, local bakeries, or we make some food, and we go out to the city, to houses, homeless people, and we give out uh, those food to these people. And I was lucky to be paired up with our university when I was studying at the time, where... Um, we got like random volunteers paired up and then we, we gave out the food. So they, they weren't all Christian people that, that came out and gave the food. So I, I got paired up with this girl. Her name was um, Catherine, I think. She was a mature age student. She had been um, on this journey, not, not really on a Christian journey, but just trying to find herself 
in, in religion and so on. And we asked each other, what do you believe, what do you believe? And obviously we believe different things. I believe in God and Jesus, and she believes in a whole lot of stuff like being a good person and so on. But there's one thing that we did agree on, and that was that what, what motivates you to, to keep going? What motivates you to, to like try to do good things? And we both agreed that we see the world is broken and there needs to be a solution to it. And she's just kind of ranting on and explaining, yeah, the world is broken, I see this brokenness. And obviously, as we're doing this, we're seeing homeless people on the road, we're seeing people that we get to talk to and, and the addictions that they face and, and some of the things that just happened in their life that led, led them to where they are right now. And we're like, man, how... how it, it sucks because there's, there's so much brokenness. And then, that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight, like, what is brokenness? And assess it in your own life, but also in the world around you. Like, we see broken families, broken relationships, broken children. And, and, and for me, I'm a bit sad when I see that. But how do we find the solution for this? Brokenness is pretty much not fixed, right? It being separated. Separated from what? Separated from what? We'll find that a little bit later. Growing up, I always thought, like, you know, bad people existed and then there's the good people like us, right? We're the good people, and the bad people are out there. Um, but then I start to see that there are good people that become bad people, and there are bad people that become good people. So what actually happens? What is the definition of a good person? Who here has watched the film Joker? Okay, half of you guys. So it's pretty much, uh, it's, it's an awesome... I'm not going to talk about Joker the whole night, don't worry. This villain who, who, who's like a, a killer, a murderer, a stealer, and liar, and everything like that, but it's a progression of where he started. And he started off as a, as a normal person with a disease where he laughs instead of uh, cries. Or like, so, so something sad happens, he starts laughing, and people get offended, and they start beating him up, and so on. And this, all these bad things continue to happen to this one guy to the point where he starts to kill people, and starts to steal, and starts to do all these horrific things. But as you watch the film, you go, I can actually understand how and why he becomes as he is. Because all these bad things happen to him. Like, he started off as a really good person. But all these things happen to him, these life events, to lead him to where he is. And you go, I feel for that guy. And if you were put in the same position, you'd be like, I think I'm kind of, I'd probably do the same things. And then you go, then what's the answer? Are you just unlucky if you were born like that? Are you just unlucky if you would just have all these if you have an abusive parent or if you have some sort of addiction in your family, if you have some sort of uh, health problem, is that just unlucky? What happens when that, that happens? We're stuck with this brokenness. And the Bible describes the root of this brokenness as sin. See, when, when the sin, the direct result, is brokenness that we see. We see families that have addictions with the parents and they go down, there's more addictions, and the kids uh, feel lost, and then there's more addictions and, and, and abuse, and so on, and the change just goes on. This brokenness just cycles and cycles. So what is the answer to that? Look, it, as I'm saying all of this, even in myself, I'm not a perfect person. And some of you guys are nodding wrong. Yeah, this guy's not perfect at all. But I try to be a good person, and we all try to be good people, right? But if you were to dissect my thoughts, if you were to dissect every decision that I've ever made in my life, up to this point right now, till when I was born, I think you guys would be pretty disgusted, horrified, like, oh man, this guy would do this, this guy would think this, this guy would do this. And that's the truth. I'm not a perfect person. There's a lot of brokenness in me as a person. 
and I'm not to offend anyone in this room, but if you were to come up here and we were to assess your thoughts and every decision that you made, how would you feel? Would you like a volunteer to come up? I don't think so, because deep down we can see that this brokenness is not, we're not all immune to it. We are affected by it, by our thoughts and our actions, whether it's derived from someone else, influences around the world, our friends, or just internally, we are just broken inside. I know it's getting pretty depressing really quick, so let me just switch it up a bit. This uh, famous rapper named Lecrae, he wrote in his book, Unashamed, he grew up as a, with a single mom, and his single mom would always bring in like, new boyfriends, and the boyfriends would be abusive people, hit the kid, hit Lecrae, um, would, would cheat on his mom and so on, and that's the father figure that Lecrae grew up with. And he felt so empty, and he grew up to be abu an abusive person, He grew up with a lot of drug addictions. He grew up to be very angry and very violent. But in his testimony, he's like, I didn't know any better. The only thing that I knew was, if things don't go right, just get angry. If things don't go your way, start getting violent. If you don't get what you want, start getting abusive. Because that's all he is taught. So I can't really blame his life as well. And that's why when I look at you guys, and when I look at people, there is so much brokenness, but I understand. I understand that we're all not perfect people, but yet brokenness still exists and the cycle continues and continues. What can you do about it? I want to paint uh, quite a vivid image, uh, explicit image here. If, if everyone here made a line, and we made it from here all the way out to the back, and we tried to categorize everyone from the most sinful at the back to the least sinful to the front, how would you feel about that? Sorry? We'd be in the back, yeah. You guys feel the back. Oh, appreciate honesty. I think we would try to be like, okay, you, you go here, you go here, and, and we'd try to categorize what have you done, what have you done, and we'd start to put everyone in the position and place. But the one thing you kind of notice as well is that the kids will probably be at the front, right? Because they, they've, they've lived less and they've, they've done less things. That's why you want to be like as innocent as a child, that's what they say. But as you get older, I'm not, I'm not saying the oldest people in this room are the most sinful. <laughs> but, but as you get older, you start to see the brokenness of the world, and you start to be affected by the brokenness of the world. I'm, I'm 25 years old, and depending on what age you are, I might be older, I might be young, but I'm at an age where I can see that the brokenness inside of me affects my day-to-day -day life, my relationship with friends and family, and that it has such a destructive impact. And the sin inside of me, I am more aware of it than any day before my life, each and every day. It's like as you get older, you are more aware of how broken you are, but yet you don't know how to fix it. I'm always in this battle where I'm like, oh, I have all these sins and I'm, and I'm broken and I do all these things, I get angry when I, this happens, or I make impulsive decisions when this happens, that shouldn't be right, I didn't, I didn't love this person as I should have. And I'm like, oh man, I'm such a broken, terrible person. But then, where were we left at? We just left out with self-pity, right? That's not good either. Now, now, why am I saying all of this? I'm not trying to point out how bad you are. Or I'm not trying to point out how bad humanity is. I'm merely pointing to the fact that this is the world that we live in. Like, my heart drops. I get anxious when I see parents that are abusive to their children, and we hear it on the news all the time, and that children just go so much trauma, whether it's sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, And we go, how can this person, how can this child grow up to be a normal person now? I get anxious thinking about how does this person become normal from now on? He's been faced with so much evil. 
yet they've done nothing wrong, but they're going to grow up to be exactly the same as whatever they faced. And the cycle continues. I get anxious about that. My heart cries out for those people. And I'm sure yours do as well. When you see it on the news, you're like, oh, that poor child, I wonder what's going to happen. So, but to some extent, we actually know that we, we are wrong, right? As I'm saying all of this, I, maybe there might be some people in this room that go like, oh, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not broken. I'm, I'm fixed, man. I don't know who you are, but I'm not trying to say, oh, you're broken, you're broken, you're broken. I'm just saying that this is the world that we live in. But now what? Like, do we admit that we are broken inside? Because I didn't really notice that until maybe I started to see it affect the people around me, when I started to see it affect the next people below me, because I started leading in church and so on. Brokenness is all around us, whether you like it or not. Um, it's like, who's ever jaywalked before? You know, when you cross the red light when you're not supposed to? Ah, oh, we've got a lot of saints in the house, so only five people have jaywalked. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> when you jaywalk, like, you, sometimes you just think, oh, I'm just going to save time, so I'll just, yeah, whatever. Just keep walking, all good. And, I, and I'm always like that, I, I'll admit, I jaywalk all the time. Like, on the way to work, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Car, yeah, whatever. Like, I'll, just, I'll just walk. <coughs> One time, I was walking, and I was about to cross the road. And I'm like this, and I saw a policeman come by, and like, oh. <laughs> and you just do sort of that thing, or you go, oh. <laughs> because you're convicted that you're about to do something wrong in the presence of someone that's good, that obeys by the law, right? See. When, when, when you see that, you're like, oh, I'm actually doing something wrong. But any day of the week, I'm just jaywalking. I'm like, ah, it's nothing. Don't worry. Like, maybe if I get hit by a car, it'll be something. But if, if not, it's all good. But in the presence of someone that is obeying the law and is perfect, that convicts me. And I'm go, oh, I got to stop until he leaves. Then I'll go. <laughs> no, but you, you just stop. Even when you're making a legal turn, no U-turn. Oh, there's a cop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in the presence of someone that is good and obeys the law and is perfect, you are convicted of the things that you are doing wrong. And I'm trying to contrast this between you and God. I don't know how many people believe in God here in this place, but if God exists and He is perfect, perfect beyond what we could even see, is in the presence of that God, we would be so convicted of our sins. Just like we, when we jaywalk in front of a cop, we go, whoa, I'm about to sin. I'm a sinful person. That is the conviction that we get in the presence of someone that obeys the law. In the Bible, there's a character named Peter. And uh, the first encounter he has with Jesus, he, he goes, depart from me, for I am a sinful person. He didn't, Jesus didn't say anything, didn't do much. He didn't really expose himself or anything like that. But in the presence of someone that was perfect and good, Peter straight away just said, depart from me. I'm a sinful person. Jesus didn't say like, oh, you're sinful. Get out of here. Peter knew it, just like you would know if you were about to jaywalk in front of a cop, right? He knew it. So now we, we, we know a brokenness exists. We know sin exists. We know that it affects us. It affects me. It affects the person next to you. But, but what do we do about that? Sometimes we, we, we put religion onto the table. So, okay, we've got a God, we've got sin, now we've got to be right between God and, and, and follow the law, so then we put religion on the table. And what does religion do? We, we put rituals, we put practices just to get atonement, to be like, 
I've done this thing wrong. I'm going to pray. I'm going to sacrifice this, or I'm going to start um, I don't know, giving up my, my finances to this person, to, to, to God. I'm going to start doing charitable works, and then I'll be good before God, right? That's where religion comes in. We start putting all these rituals and practices, and we start to be good with God. And, 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 it, and it works. For a lot of people, it's like, okay, I, I do this, and I have to do this and do that, and then I'm, I'll be right with God. Or at least that's their, their thoughts. But there's, there's so much more than that, because if sin really is intertwined in our body, intertwined in everything that we do, how can we still get right with God when we are by nature sinful? How does that work? Who, who here hates a laggy computer? Yeah, I hate it, man. At work, I'm just like, IT, what are you doing, man? Come on, like, I need my computer. And you, when you have a problem with your computer, what do you do? Let's say it's a program. What do you do? You, you just, sh- like, turn it off, tr- troubleshoot you or whatever. But you close the program and you t- restart it again. And if it's all good, it's all good. But if it gets a little bit harder, you decide to go extreme measures and you start to turn off your whole computer and turn it back on, right? But then, if it's still laggy, if it's still not working, and, and, and you just get so frustrated, and you're just like, something's wrong with this computer, I don't know what it is, there's something just, there's a virus, or it's just intertwined in my computer, what do I need to do? You get to reformat it. You literally have to take everything out, reformat, reboot it, literally bring it back to the beginning, and restart again. So, how does that translate to our lives right now? If, if we are so intertwined into sin, if we are still facing the same sins over and over and over again, if we see all this brokenness of the cycle in, in, in our broken relationships, in, in my divorces, in, in, in my children, how do I fix that? It's almost as if you had to die and be resurrected again. It's almost as if you had to reboot your whole life again and be like, God, just, just take me, kill all my sins along with everything that is with me, and raise me back up again. And that's how we get baptisms. Dead to sin, but alive in Christ. Dead to sin, but alive in Christ. And this is where I'm going to read a verse in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 4 to 14. We, therefore, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that Jesus, that just as Christ has ra- was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, he will certain, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might not be done away, might be done away with it, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. That, that, is, that just encapsulates everything. I'm, I'm sinful. It's so intertwined. I see it in the world and I see it in my family. I see it in my parents. I see it in my kids. I see it in my brother, in my sister, my cousins, in my workmates. I see it on the news. What's the answer to all of it? I'm tired. I've tried. I'm trying to be a good person, but it's not 
changing anything. I've tried these religions. I've tried praying 20 million times. I've tried giving up stuff. What is the answer to it? See, God convicts us of our sins. And if you were in the presence of that cop and you're in the presence of God, you'd know exactly what you've done wrong. Because the God convicts you through the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't just leave you there. He doesn't just go, oh, you broke the law. You're done. You're punished. That's it. God is more than that. God is more than that. And that's why we're here tonight. That's why we're here to live a new life in him. Because he is more than just a God that convicts us of our sin. He's a God that convicts us of our sin, but offers a way out. A way out. So that we may be renewed. We may be rebooted, resurrected again with him. So then how is it that when we are dead to sin, but we still Christians, we, uh, but we still see Christians sinning. So let, let, let's say, like, I've been baptized, but I'm still sinning afterwards. What does that mean? Does that mean that we have not done it properly? Well, the concept is that we have died to sin and no longer living in it. However, as long as we live in this world and we're still made of flesh, sin will always be present. Sin will always be affecting us. But the thing is, we are no longer slaves to sin. We have a new master. Our master is God. Lecrae said this one thing, the, the rapper that I was talking about. Each morning I have to attend a funeral, my own. I have to wake up and once again die to my desires, to people's approval. Every day we consciously live for God. Every day it's a decision. God, my life is yours. I'm dying to my sins and now I live with you. But make Jesus your master. I, um, I did this terrible thing when I was um, learning to drive um, a manual car. Like back in year 12, I learned how to drive a manual car and my instructor, we had my driving seat and she was there and we've got like the, the similar pedals. So like I got my pedals and she's got her pedals, um, which seemed like a pretty cool thing because she can stop whenever I go and then like she can like stop me whenever I do something wrong, right? Um, and I remember like, okay, I'm just going to drive, I'm going to be in control. And I went to this intersection, all busy cars and so on. And manual, like, I'm, I'm, I wasn't really good. And you know when you, when you stuff up, like, you stall and the car goes like crazy. And I'm like, oh, man, what's going on, man? <laughs> and uh, so I'm, like, stalling. And the car's behind me, like, beep, beep, beep. And I'm like, oh, I'm trying, man. I'm going to put the clutch in and the, the gas in. And I'm going back and forth. And, like, cars just beeping everywhere. My st- stress levels was beyond the roof. And she was like, oh, oh let, me, let me do it. And then, and then she tried to, to do it with her pedals. And I did it with my pedals. So we were just going back and forth and then <laughs> restarting the car. And I'm like, what the hell's going on, man? And then um, she was just like, just stop what you're doing. I'm in control now. I'm in control. Stop what you're doing. I'm in control. And I'm like, okay, okay. okay. Well, hold the steering wheel. Okay, I'll hold the steering wheel. <laughs> So she, she starts to, to, to do the clutch and the thing, and we go, and we stop. And she was like, look, when, when that situation happens, you're going to let go and put me in control, okay? Because I know what I'm doing. I know exactly what's happening. You don't. You're still learning. See, this is the, the thing that we have. When we put ourselves as the master of our own life, we are so susceptible to sin. We are so susceptible to the life that, that the world offers. And if we continue to do that, then yes, we'll be slaves to sin, we will never know this, this righteousness, this freedom that we have in God. But when we say, God, you are the master, you are the driver in the driving seat, you, you can do the clutch and the pedal, and I'm just going to stand there and, and, just, and just use me as, as what you want. Then we get to go where we need to go. But if you're just fighting with God, man, you're just going to be going back and forth. I don't know what you're going to be doing. And sometimes you literally see people going like that. Put God in the driver's seat. Put him in the driver's seat. So when we, when we die to sin, we are alive in Christ, and we put him 
in the driver's seat. He is now the master. Everything that we desire is his desires. Everything that we want is him. And we have to be so conscious of it because if we say, oh, I'm going to be back in the driver's seat, then we'll never be able to go where God needs us to go. And I hate the idea of being a slave, right? No one really likes the idea about being a slave. Like, being a slave to sin, yeah, that doesn't sound good. I don't want to do that. But being a slave to God, oh, still has the word slave. I don't really like that either. But what if I told you you are a slave to someone that really cares, really loves, really forgives, really sets you free, and gives you all the freedom in the world, but chooses to love and, and graciously give to you? I think that's the type of master I would want. That's the type of master I want. And that's the type of master that we, God is trying to be for us, that God is for us. But all we got to do is give it all to him. Give it all to him. Romans 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So what is required for us? What is required for us that is broken? Everything. Everything that is good, everything that is bad, everything that you hate about yourself, everything that you are fighting with, that you're struggling with, everything that you see in your parents, in your kids, in your own self, in your partner, give all of that to the one who can save you. Give all of that to God. Can I just get the band up? No part of you to be reserved when we come before God. That is what is required of us. See, this, this message might not hit home for everyone here. And that's okay, because I know a lot of people here, including myself at one point or another, decided to, to put myself in the driver's seat. And you might not really be intentional about this, but you're like, hey, I'm going to be the one in, in, in the... I'm the master. I'm the captain, if you've watched that before. I'm the captain of this life. But I've tried to live that, and that's not the answer to my brokenness. And that's not the answer to the brokenness of the world. But what changed was, God, I want to try this thing where I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. I've tried to be perfect. But if I could put every part of me into your hands, nothing reserved, would you take it and be the master of my life and take me wherever you want me to go? Take me wherever you want me to go. You want me to go to another country. You want me to go to another workplace. You want me to serve in my church. You want me to let go of these addictions? I will do it for you, God. Because he is now my new master. I'm not enslaved to sin anymore. But how do we do all of that? That's why we have these baptisms, because we, we acknowledge and we declare, I'm a sinful person, but I'm going to die with you, Jesus. But I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to come up alive with you, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now you as my master. Now you as my master. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. The old is gone and the new is here. You see these churches made new, made new. Because the old self has died. The, 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 the laggy, the, the broken computer, the, the sinful intertwined body, the person that you were, that is gone. But you are now a new person living for one reason, that is for Jesus Christ as your new master. And there is love, there is forgiveness, there is grace. There is freedom. There is freedom in putting our faith in Jesus Christ. 
And every day when you wake up, remember, I've got to die to my sins and live with Christ. Die to my sin and live with Christ. And you'll start to desire the things that He desires. You'll start to walk in the direction that He wants you to walk. And slowly by slowly, you get to see God's grace work in your life. The brokenness start to disappear. The sins taken away. A new life in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to read this. Um, who's heard of John Newton before? One person, two people, cool. A few people. John Newton, I want to read this out for you guys, was a very bad man. Very, very bad man. In 1750, at age 25, John Newton commanded an English slave ship. He anchored off the African coast, purchasing natives taken captive by rival tribes. The slave traders bartered to get the finest specimens, offering alcohol, cloth, and weapons. Newton's men took the ter- terrified slaves ab- aboard and chained them below decks in two-foot-high pens to prevent suicides. As many as 600 lay side by side like fire logs, row after row. There were no toilet facilities or ventilation. The stench was indescribable. Newton's ship n- had not only chains but neck collars, handcuffs, and thumbscrews and torture devices. They sailed from Africa to the Caribbean, selling the slaves for molasses, rum, and other valuables. Like other captains, Newton allowed his crew to rape female slaves, as Newton did himself. Sometimes a quarter of the slaves died on the journey, sometimes more. Newton blasphemed God, engaged in brutality and immorality. He prided himself on being incorrigible. As a young crewman, when his ship nearly shank, sank, nearly sank. Newton professed Christ. He spent years committing evil before he experienced a true conversion. He left the slave trade and felt increasing remorse for what he had done. For the last half of his life, he pastored a church near London where he preached the gospel, taught the scriptures, and eventually spoke against the slave trade, encouraging young parliamentarian William Wilberforce in his battle to outlaw slavery. At age 82, towards the end, shortly before his death, a physically blind and spiritually sighted John Newton said, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great saviour. Newton's tombstone reads, John Newton, once an infidel, was, by the rich mercy of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith that he had long laboured to destroy. Newton wrote hundreds of hymns, the most famous of which is the most popular song among many African Christians throughout the world. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, to save a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. The worst of sinners was saved. The worst of sinners, the the most horrific things that you could have ever done, that you could even think of that you might have never committed. He put his faith in Jesus and his life turned around and he experienced this amazing grace, this freedom. And anyone in this room can accept Jesus Christ. Anyone in this room can live that life for God, that freedom. That they, You don't have to live in this life of brokenness. You don't have to continue to continue and go into this life of brokenness and sin over sin. There's a way out and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call the people that are getting baptized tonight. If you all would just be kind to come to the front. 
we're going to pray with you guys. Look, look, in, in, in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, it says, In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God, of a one sinner who repents. So all of the angels, all of heaven is rejoicing for our brothers and sisters right here that are saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Look, as this message is not just applicable for these guys, it is applicable for you and me just as much as it is for these guys. And what, what, I've, what I've requested is that if anyone in this room feels like, hey, I actually do want to die with Christ and come alive in Him, die to my sins, then would you, would you talk to me afterwards? And we can get you baptized here tonight as well. We have, we have spare clothes and towels and so on. Pastor Dex, is Pastor Dex's clothes, is it? It's your clothes, yeah. It's clean, it's all good, don't worry. But if you, if you have decided, you know what, I actually want to get baptized. I actually want to give my life to Jesus as well. Come up to me afterwards and we'll, and we'll get this sorted. Because I believe seven people, that's awesome. But look, if, if you haven't been baptized before, look, all of heaven is waiting and rejoicing when you come to that decision. Like, I'm going to pass from death to life, death to life, death to life. And I am so excited for these guys. But I, I know if there's anyone else out here, please come talk to me after this. We'll, put, we'll, we'll enter into baptism as well after this. So let, let's all stand. Let's all pray with these brothers and sisters. God, I am so thankful, Lord, that our brothers and sisters here before the church, before you, God, have decided to cross from death to life, God. By your grace, by your mercy, Lord, they are saved. And we are so thankful for everything that you have done in their lives, Lord. Use everything, every good thing, every bad thing, every broken thing to just glorify your name, Jesus. And as they decide and as they go into that water, Lord, may they be reminded that no longer will they be alive to sin, but they are now dead to sin and alive in you, Jesus. Alive in you, Jesus. Waking up every morning knowing that you are their Lord and Savior. They have a new master now. Not sin, not themselves, but you, Jesus, a loving and gracious God. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have given. Give you all the praise. Give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give these guys a hand. Let's give these guys a hand. You guys can be seated. You guys can be seated. We, um, we are going to go into a time of communion here. So as uh, we do, could I get the ushers to just distribute the, um, the bread and the wine, please? This communion, I, I encourage you guys that if you are not comfortable with taking it, there's no need to take it. You can just sit down and, be, and, be, and just listen to the next part of it. But we, we want to value this moment because... Every time we take it, we remember that Jesus actually died on the cross for you and me. That there is weight to our sin and there was a hefty price to pay for our sin. And as we take that, we remember the blood of Jesus Christ, the covenant that He created now, and the bread, the suffering that He endured. So as you take it, if you want to partake in this, you want to remember that Jesus actually died for you and that you are a sinful person, but through the grace of God, you are alive. Through the grace of God, you have been set free. I'm serious when it doesn't matter how broken you are, it doesn't matter what you have done, how far away or how close you have been or how long your journey has been or how short your journey has been. Jesus Christ is the same as yesterday, today and forever. Your sins past, future and present can be forgiven and will be forgiven. 
but we need to put our faith in Him. So when we take this communion, let's be serious about it. Let's really declare that Jesus Christ did die for me. And I'm not going to take this lightly. I know the price of my sins is so heavy, but He died for me. Could I get a bread and cup? Just take this time to just assess yourself as well. Just before God and before His church.